Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Our series. If, you, if you're brand new, we've on the back of four weeks, this is our final week of our series called Love Thy Neighborhood. And it's a series where we've been endeavoring to answer the question as best as we can, what would it look like for us to be the best people that our neighbors could have ever hoped to live next door to? We wanted to ask, what would it look like if we would become the people individually and as a church for our, that our neighbors would be so glad that we are living next door to them, or we are living in their neighborhood. And that's the question we've been asking, we've been poking and provoking it. But um, this morning, I want to land it in a different fashion and, and ask the question here. Maybe you're sitting here and you, you've been here a few weeks and you hear it saying, yeah, it's good, it's been encouraging at times. But maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Gabe, you, you don't know my neighbors. They are really, really tiring. They are a piece of work. Anyone here who wants to confess about their neighbors? No, don't put your hands up, it's fine. <laughs> But maybe you're sitting here and you're also going, Gabe, actually when you mention about loving the people at my work, I just wish I could actually change jobs, you know, to get away from my colleagues. Maybe there's a few people here saying, I just, I want out. Or maybe you're even saying, actually, even closer to home, I'm done with my family. I can't do that again. Just the, they're putting me through the ringer. I just can't. You're calling me to love them and I, I understand that, but I can't. I've got nothing more to give them. Maybe that's you. But uh, this morning, I want to just, I want to help us and walk us through very quickly. Walk us through a biography. I'm a man who loves biographies, and I love the backstory of, of characters. But this character is found in the Bible. He's a man named Jeremiah, and I believe he's got some helpful answers and hints and tips on how we can address these questions. And believe it or not, if you're wanting to find his book in the Bible, it is named Jeremiah. I know. He's really creative. He, they got the team together said, what can we name this book? And he said, what about Jeremiah? Like, I like it. So they went with that. So we're going to do that. But before we get stuck in, let's just pray and ask Jesus to help us as we listen to his word. Father, this morning we, we open our hearts wide. We open our hearts wide to your word and to your spirit's working. I thank you, Father God, right now. My prayer and our prayer is that we lean in and we say, have your way, Jesus. Shape us, mold us, and make us more like your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So very quickly this morning, I want to take us through the big uh, pieces in this, in this biography. So this man, young man Jeremiah, he gets a call from God at a young age. Some people would say that his late teens. He gets a dramatic call from God. If you are a historian and you want to point it in history, it's at 627 BC. The scholars think it's around there. And, this, and God meets with him in a dramatic way and calls this young guy and says, Jeremiah, I'm going to use you profoundly. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you words of authority, which you're gonna speak about. I'm gonna give you words that you can speak against nations and kingdoms. You'll build up, you'll tear down, you'll uproot, you'll destroy, you'll plant, your words will have power. And I, and I can imagine this young man hearing this word going, sounds about right. Sounds about me, eh? My mom told me I was special. I knew this moment would come. Thank you, God. And, and, and Jeremiah is like this initially. He's like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in for this. This is amazing. And he's like, God and I taking on the world. If, if I can imagine, I can imagine his head just ticking over going, I can see the book deals now, you know, Jeremiah Ministries International, name and lights, guest appearances on talk shows, you know, Ellen will get him in, you know, wow, he's a big figure, God's using this guy, you know, he's a sought after, after dinner speaker, and that's what he can imagine, as God said, I'm going to use you, he's like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, this is good. But, 
as you as we read the book of Jeremiah and we delve into his backstory, we find out that from this opening salvo that God engages with him, from that moment basically onwards, nothing goes well. Nothing goes according to plan. And actually, nothing feels very successful to Jeremiah as, as what God has promised and said, I'm going to use you in. He's going, it doesn't seem like it's working. No one will listen to him. No one will repent as he calls them to repent and turn back to God. And actually, all of them just want him to shut up. That is the, 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 the actual the intro to this book. And it's, and it actually goes even worse than this. Not only do they turn a deaf ear to him, they actually tie him up, beat him up, and leave him at the city gates one time because he was so frustrating that they were, he was speaking truth. They didn't want to hear it. So they beat him up, tie him up, put him at the city gates so that people can walk by. He can become an, an object of, of humor and people can spit and mock him. This doesn't feel very glamorous. The book deals have gone from his head already. And I can imagine him, he goes, this doesn't feel like what I signed up for. So much so that actually in Jeremiah chapter 20, it's a fascinating portion of scripture. Jeremiah, the great prophet of God, has a temper tantrum. He has a full-on temper tantrum. This is, cuts out the toy. He's like, this sucks. He actually says these words. He says, God, you have misled me. Other translations say, God, you have deceived me. Some of you have gone so far as saying, you have seduced me. Like an older man with a younger girl with some false promises. That's the connotations of what Jeremiah is accusing God of saying, you said one thing and it's been hard. And he has this temper tantrum and it goes on and I actually enjoy the fact that because I can see myself in him at times. He gets to the end of chapter 20 where he goes wild. He goes, curse the day I was born. He goes on, he says, curse my mom who gave birth to me. And I like this last one. He says, curse the guy who came out the hospital and said it's a boy. He was like, even the guy handing out cigars, curse him. So he's like, I'm done with all of it. And he's thrown in. And I can imagine God just waiting going, cool, you're done? You're done? Jeremiah, after a while, goes, fine, I'm done. I suppose you did call me. I suppose I did say yes. All right, I'll go again. Jeremiah tries again. And he goes out. And uh, he says again, he says to him, if you don't repent and change, God will hand you over, you Israelites, he'll hand you over to your enemies, the Babylonians. He will do it. And he says, he says this to them, and this time they listen, and they go, we're going to throw you into a muddy pit. They pick him up and they throw him, leave, leave him for dead in a cistern. Just there in amongst, uh, amongst the sewage and of the waste of the community, they throw him in a pit and they leave him there. Man of God. Beautiful, eh? Tough, tough gig, this one. This all happens, Jeremiah gets pulled out by some other helpful people, and he's, he's dragging his feet. This is not good. And actually what happens is Jeremiah's words of warning to the Israelites come true. The enemies, the Babylonians, come over the hill. They take the whole Israelite nation into captivity. They capture them. They drag them off and chains back over the hill to their land. And guess who goes into captivity with the Israelites? Jeremiah. Like, this is not fair. This is not fair. Then there comes this moment. There's this moment in the story that I want to zone into this morning. Where God says to him, God says, actually, Jeremiah, I've got one more thing for you. He says, I want you to go down and buy a jar, buy a pot, buy, buy a, a piece of earthenware that, that you can store things in. I want you to go and buy a jar. And Jeremiah now knows this trick. He goes, why, God? <laughs> Fool me once, go on. 
city gates, beaten up, spat at, thrown in a cistern, everyone mocks me, everyone hates me. What are you saying now? Go buy a jar. And he said, cool, get it. God said, I'll explain it. Go buy it. Go speak to the people. And tell them that if they don't repent, if they don't start remembering the poor, if they don't, if they don't stop abusing the widows and orphans, things are going to get really bad. I'm actually going, God says, I'm going to smash their nation. And he says, for dramatic effect, that's when you get the pot and you smash it on the floor. And Jeremiah goes, let me get this right, God. You want me to tell them you're going to smash the nation just like I smashed the pot. They're going to smash me, God. They're going to smash me. And God goes, Yep, this sounds about right. This is a tough one. So can I tell you what Jeremiah does? He obeys. He obeys God. He gets up, he speaks, and he says, this is what's going to happen. He says, this, this thing here, he says, get the pot, and he goes, <laughs> and he smashes it. If you've got some earthenware in your eyes, I apologize. Brett will pray for healing afterwards. <laughs> He smashes the pot dramatically like that. And he goes, revival going to break out. And he looks up. And the people grab him and beat him within an inch of his life. Tough one. Let me tell you, this morning, I believe there comes a time in all our lives where there comes a moment of actually deciding which line we're going to stand. Am I going to be on this side or am I gonna, is there no turning back for me? For Jeremiah, this moment where God said, break the pot, smash the jar, was a no-going-back moment for him. He said, if I do this, it's game over for young Jeremiah. In light of my, my, my desire for fame or success or even liked, being liked by these people might go out the window. Maybe you're here this morning and you said, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried with my family, but I just can't do it anymore. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I just want out of my job. They're godless. They're corrupt. I just don't want to be there. Put my CVs out. I can't do it anymore. Maybe you're here and you've, you've received a calling years ago to look after your aging mother. Maybe you've had the calling to teach some rebellious kids. You've got a calling to work into an underprivileged area or to show Christ to an ungodly business world. But right now you're sitting here and you say, I'm tired and I haven't been appreciated. Nothing I've done has is, is worked. It's been hard, Gabe. It's hard. If I can just press pause on the Jeremiah story and take us to a little modern day equivalent. There was a man named Jim Elliot who lived in the 1900s. He was born 1927. He was a young man, gifted young man. He was a, a great orator, an incredible public speaker who was politically astute in the day. He had, his, his speeches had, were captivating a nation as a young man started to rise up. And many touted him for great things in America. But then God gripped his heart. This man's heart was so gripped by God. And with him, he started to hear stories of this people group who lived in, uh, in Ecuador, in the Amazon jungle region, who had never heard about Jesus, who they were savage people. And his heart started to get torn, and torn for these people. And he said with a team, he said, we're going to go to Ecuador, and we're going to try and engage with these people. The unreached people group called the Alcas. And, and, and everyone said, everyone who heard this said, don't go. Stay, boy. Can you not see the trajectory of your life? It's going to be amazing. Glitz and glamour. They'll play straight after the Great Depression. The, the world is your oyster now. You're, you're the man for the times, Jim. Why waste it? Don't waste it. But Jim said this line, and we'll see it on the screen now. If Michaela, if you can put it up. He said this quote. 
that has gripped many, many people ever since he said it. He said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let me read it again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. For this man, Jimmy Elliot had this moment where everyone, family members and all, were saying, stay, stay, don't do it. And God grips his heart and he writes us, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he says, I have to go. I have to. This was a smashing the jar moment. He's holding it, his future in his hands, his comforts, his sensibilities, his ability to be liked and to be uh, lorded over. What an amazing man. He said, what do I do? do? This burden though is too great. I can't ignore it. I can't walk away from it. And in a sense, Jim went, I'm done. I'm stepping over the line. I can't. I can't hold on to my pot, my, my jar any longer. If I can extend the metaphor. You know, in this moment, Jim went with these guys. They went to the Ecuadorian jungle. And what they did, these people were savages who had never been reached before. So for a year, they just flew over in a helicopter and dropped gifts off to try and win their affections. And the, and the one guy, one of their tribesmen came out and they, they ended up building a friendship with this guy. But little did they know that this guy was going back and, and was telling them the, 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 the other tribe lies about them. Was telling them that their motives were different. We shouldn't trust them. But they thought they were making ground. And Jim, a man who had smashed the jar in a sense, who had said, I'm, over, I'm in on this story. Jim Elliot and these other four brothers of his, these four men of God who said, we're going to go. The great moment came when they were going to go and speak to this tribe. They land in the helicopter. They step out the helicopter about to preach the gospel and spears impale them. Whoop! Dead. Didn't get to speak. And people found their bodies down the river. Days later, dead. Jim Elliot. There was a national outcry. People were going, what a waste of life. Who do we blame for this? Who, which person allowed them to do this? What a waste. What, so silly for them to do this. But you know, on the back of that story, is that, that story and his quote and, and what happened there started to filter out. His young bride who had been married just two years earlier, she said, I'm going to go. And there's a whole bunch of young students who heard this and they said, actually, something got in them and, and everyone's like, no, no, don't follow that part. That actually, because Jim went, we got to go. And you know, these guys, wave after wave of students started to go in on the wake of Jim Elliot and his friends into this unreached people group. And now today, those people have all heard the gospel and the people have responded. Revival came to the community. But more than that, the name of Jim Elliot and this quote grips missionaries around the world again and again and again by a man who never spoke one word to that tribe. But he said, my life's my, my, on my own. Let me tell you this morning what I'm trying to get at is I believe that this series, and if it's just for me, maybe it's just for me, but I believe it's for us as a people, that this is a smash the the jar kind of day. With authority, I want to call us out of us. This is a smash the jar kind of day. Maybe for us as individuals, God is saying to you, will you embrace the tough assignment that I've given you again? That calling. Your heart ached at once for, 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 that was broken by poverty, was broken by, by school kids, was broken by, by your family. You said, I want to reach them for Jesus. Well, you wanted to do something big for God, but then sensibility's gone. You say, it's just too hard. It's just too hard. It's too disappointing. I can't do it anymore. I'm just going to settle. I'll send money or I'll, I'll visit at Christmas, but that's it. But I believe today's the day God's saying, no, no, don't hold on to that jar. 
Will you break it? Will you break it? Will you step over the line and say, I'll be broken for these people? Even if they don't receive me well. Can I tell you for us here in Milneton, in Cape Town as a family, as a church, I believe this is a moment for us to say, will we own and love this community and this city with everything we have, no matter what the response is? No matter what, if people go, you guys are an amazing church. Or if people don't want anything to do with us, will we still lay our lives down for this community again and again, for the broken, for the poor, for the, for the aged, the aging, for the, for the orphans, for the people who are far from God, for the rebellious, for the wicked. Will we say we will still push our lives to the, to the limit for Him? Let me tell you, people have spoken over Milton. Do you know this? That people have told me when you started to, we're going to plant you. They said, hey, Milton's a church graveyard. This place, this school has seen how many churches in the last few years. Church, there's no land to build a church here. So what's the vision here? What are you going to do? Churches come in and then they go. But the Lord called us here. Yeah. I'm holding the jar and I go, well, maybe we should, uh, should we just keep it tight? Should we keep it small, have fun? Or are we going to actually cast a vision that's compelling and say that we'll lay our lives down for this community? No matter how they receive us, will we lay our lives down? Will we lay our lives down for the school? Will we break the jar? No matter how it ends up for Gabe Phillips. No matter whether everyone else goes, well done, you guys are amazing. Maybe just me, will we smash the jar? Smashing the jar means giving up your rights, your expectations, and saying, I'm not going back. And I believe there are people in this room today that have been on the edge, and God has been calling, God has been calling, but today is a day, even in your walk with Him, saying, I'm not going back. I'm not holding on to my rights. I'm actually done. I'm following Jesus wherever He calls me. If it's to glorious things, I'm in. If it's to tough things, I'm in. Because it's Him. I'm going to smash the jar. Let me tell you why. It's because this man Jesus, the one who captivates us, this man Jesus left heaven. He left His rightful throne and He became a man. He became a man. He took on our flesh. Why? To rescue and redeem us. But here's the story. The response of humanity wasn't Awesome, thank you for coming, Jesus. We've been waiting for millennia. Come on in, we're with you. No, he was rejected. He was maligned, he was misunderstood, he was bad-mouthed at every turn. People called him, he called the Son of God a heretic. The man who came to reveal the Father, to redeem mankind, was called a heretic. But not only that, he didn't stop there, he was crucified, spat upon, mocked, and, and eventually put to death. By the very people he came to save. There was a moment tonight before Jesus died. Where I believe he had a smash the jar type moment. As he was resting. He said, Father, this is too hard. I can't do it. I don't want to be separated from you. I can't, I can't go through this. And he says, but not my will. Yours be done. I believe if Jesus had a jar that day, he would have. It was a dramatic way. He was smashed. He said, not my will. And this is the amazing thing that actually Jesus... Himself became smashed. He was the jar that was broken for mankind. He was the jar that was broken and heaven's sign saying that we are we're not going back. Heaven is, this is the thing we're on. We're rescuing mankind. And Jesus was broken, was ripped apart, was crucified so that people on the other side could find freedom. What I'm trying to get at is this series for us. If you've here day one and you're going, what is going on here? This on a backdrop of us asking and probing questions. How do we do this better? And I want to say this series for us is not a call to become better people. This is not love your neighbor, love your neighborhood, try harder, be better, be stronger, come on, bake better cookies for them. 
This is not that. This for us is not about a people who try harder. It's a people who follow our Jesus' way. And for us to love this world, for us to love our spouses, for us to love our clients, our workers, our family, our neighbors, our neighborhoods, this is how we do it. We lay our lives down. See, the, the model of good, good organizations that won't really make a difference are people just send a little bit of money. Do a little bit of, volunteer a few hours. It won't cost you much. Can I tell you the call of Jesus is die for people. Yeah. Lay your life down for them. It'll cost you everything to follow me. I don't want to lie to you. Jesus was the worst salesman. He told people when he said, when he called them to come follow him, he said, you won't have anywhere to lay your head. You'll be rejected. I'm like, Jesus, don't do that on day one. <laughs> tell them it'll go well. Maybe tell them later on. No, no. He goes, no, it's going to be hard. People will be offended because of me. And I look at my life and I go, I don't know if I'm dying for people. I don't know if I'm laying my life down for family members. I say, I'm praying for them. As soon as they irritate me, I'm like, ah, at least I can walk away. My neighbors, our community. Let me tell you this, this man, Jeremiah, back to him as we land is that nothing ever really worked out for him. Old J-Dog. He had a tough, tough gig. But at the end of his book, he wrote this book, another book called Lamentations. A book of lament. It's quite a sad book. So he wrote this book called Lamentations. And uh, actually a lot of it is a lot of moaning. So if you ever are reading it, it's like, oh my goodness, this is depressing. But at the end of the book, there's this phrase that Jeremiah says. He says, it's been hard, but... Your mercy is on you every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Let me tell you what Jeremiah, in my paraphrased way, was saying. He was going, it was tough. But I'd do it again if he asked. It was tough, it was hard, but I'd do it again if he asked. Maybe you're saying, why was I born in this family? Why was, why is my spouse reacting this way? Can I say, sir, man, the easy way is just to disengage, walk away. But actually, God said, will you break the pot and lay your life down for them again? Would you lay your life down for your family, for your friends, for those you do not know him yet? Because this is what Jim Elias says. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I believe God is gripping my heart and saying, will you call a bunch of radical people? This is a radical gospel. And I want to do the radical gospel with radical people. Because I know that radical futures demand radical obedience. We don't just stumble upon them. We're going to read one scripture as we land. It's a scripture we've been going to the whole series. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 to 10 from the message. I'm going to read it to you quickly. It says this. Jesus, talking to his 12 disciples, fresh-faced, bushy-tailed young guys, he says to them this. Jesus sends his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far-off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day. Travel light. This for us is a call that we've been going back to, the simple thing that we have more than enough already. We don't have to rally a a crowd. We don't have to rally a campaign. We just have to say, God, we're going to break the pot. 
in our own lives. And if every one of us start to break the pot and say, God, I'm going to lay my life down for my students, for my family, for my workplace, for the poor in the city, for the broken, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. I believe the phrase that's in us says this, on the other side of our obedience, people are waiting. On the other side of our obedience, people are waiting. If it wasn't for Jim Elliot, on the other side of that obedience, those people might never ever have heard. Sure, it didn't go well for him, but people were waiting for the gospel to take root. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be here. I'm wanting to pray for us this morning, but if it's just for me, then it's fine. But I believe there's more of us. There's more stirrings of radical saying, I'm going to break the pot. My life's not my own anymore. And if that's you, whatever that looks like, if that's saying, actually, for my marriage, I'm going to break the pot. I'm not going to, I'm going to lay my life down afresh. If it's for, for a cause that God put in your heart years ago, but you put on the back burner. If it's for people, if it's for community, if it's for your family, and say, God, would you grip my heart? This is not some motivational speak. This is not some dramatic thing saying, look, there's a pot on the floor. How cool is that? No. This is saying, Jesus, would you break it? This is not easy. That's why we need the Spirit of God. Gina and Amy, will you be broken for the Angolan people? Will you be broken for them? Who would go? But God says, I'm going to move a boss to move them so that, so they can be broken, so my people can be made whole. And Leanne, will you be broken again for the kids of Milton that God gripped your heart for years ago, gripped? Will you be broken? I'm not going to keep safe. I'm going to be broken. Will you be broken, sir, ma'am, for your marriage? Maybe you're here and you say, I'm, I'm done with it. I can't. Or just in today. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand because we could usually do just bow your head things, but this is a radical people. And Jesus didn't didn't hide from this thing. So I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray. Please don't stand for any other reason unless God's moving your heart because because otherwise it's uh, just games. But I, I think God is being serious with us this morning. Father, as we as I hold the symbol of a broken pot. Wow, it's a dangerous prayer, God, for me to pray. For us to pray this prayer that God, we're gonna we're gonna break our we're gonna smash the jars. We we go of our rights, our time. This is my emotions. This don't don't come interfere with what's going on in my life. No, we're gonna allow ourselves to be broken. For other people. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, would you go into every heart? Would you do a deep work? A work that no preacher could do? No emotional music could do? God, right now, you are doing a deep work in people's hearts. Right now, you're you're saying, marriages, you're lighting the fire in marriages. You're lighting the fire in families to fight for that, that kid again. To fight for that, that, that relative. To fight for that neighbor again. To fight... And say, God, I'm going to break the pot. Whatever that looks like, I'm in. Because great is your faithfulness. Your mercy is on you every morning. So I pray right now, Spirit of the living God, would you awaken hearts. Young people. I thank you, God, you're doing it in, in, in a young generation's heart to millennials to the world brands one thing. But we say, God, we are people who don't care about our own rights. We'll lay down our lives. Thank you, God, that you're doing this here.
He is no fool. No fool who gives what he cannot keep. You can't keep your life anyway. You can't preserve it. You can't wrap your life enough in white cotton wool and white picket fence living to keep yourself safe. You can't do that enough anyway. You can't keep it. So you're no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. Pray to thy faithfulness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen.